Hello. Oh, hello. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Are you okay? Yeah, how's everything up way up there? It's good. I'm here at the foot of Coit Tower with my uh, luxurious office at the top of Coit Tower. Somebody's outside making some kind of noise. I don't know what it is. Is it, uh, you said, what's his name was gone, though? Motorcycle boy? Yeah. Yeah, either. I don't, I don't really understand who lives here. It's very confusing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, people don't talk to their neighbors much anymore, and I think that's good. <laughs> that's not true. New I drafts do, is out. New drafts is out, Merlin. It's aus- auspicious day, a conspiratorial day, or whatever, and it's uh, uh, draft twenty is out. Oh, um, yeah, I saw. Uh, you're getting right into the meat. I mean, I, it's exciting. It's a big thing, and we've got a you're new friend. Right into the meat. Friend of the show uh, has announced that it's out. Closing my tab about Jojo Siwa. Got to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go to drafts by Agile Tortoise. I'm yeah. clicking. Huh. Okay, I'm clicking. And Greg, Greg Pierce, point? a fellow fellow Texan, uh, has made a new version of uh, drafts. It's 20. He's and the have, hardest working computer man in Texas. He's got a beard. Oh, he's got a beard. I think he has, I think he has, uh, I don't want to talk out of school or, you know, be creepy, but like, I think I think he has twin young men who are just I think graduated from high school. I want to say just like working with him, living I with him. I think that's Greg. Can you imagine having twin boys? You got one <laughs> boy. That seems like that's probably kind of a lot. Well, Carmine said one boy. Here there are two. <laughs> Your Komodo dragon. <laughs> It's not, you know, it's, it's one of those Your movies. Your line's the best though. Your line's the best. Yeah. It's a good line. Go ahead. Hmm. What, are you, what are you saying? I was just going to say like, that's a movie that it, it doesn't really hold up and it's not. not well, we're, we're talking here about the 1990 movie, The Freshman. I'm going to say 91, 92. Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. In 1990 is the. Really? Yeah. I'm putting it in Keep the show. Keep going. Talk, talk more about The, the Freshman. Cause I, I agree with you at the time it was. It was so fresh and so weird. Uh, it's, it, I would say for Shizzle, it's a kind of movie that would not get made today for no, many reasons. No, no, A New York City film school student accepts a job with a local mobster who resembles a famous cinema godfather and who takes the young man under his wing after demanding total loyalty. You got um, Matthew Broderick. Yes. Uh, plays a young man who going, going to NYU and he gets a ride from the airport by Bruno Kirby. Mm-hmm. Yes, Bruno Kirby, who was in Spinal Tap, but more importantly, was in, he played uh, Fat Clemenza in Godfather 2. Sorry, Morbidly Obese Clemenza title. Um, <laughs> all for laugh. And he, he nicks his luggage. He takes his stuff. Yes. And then he gets to his room. He meets his roommate, who's Frank. Frank. Abagnale Jr. No, oh, no. What's the name of the actor? Uh, the kid from... Uh, the kid, the kid with the uh, Kahuna Burger in uh, Pulp Fiction. What's his name? Frank, not Frank, Frank Whaley, I want to say. Um, Frank Whaley, Steve Bouchak. He plays Steve Bouchak. Yes. Anyway, well, sorry, this is really, you either really don't care or you've already heard way too much. But then, okay, so here's the wackadoo part. Then he ends up seeing... Uh, uh, Bruno <laughs> he, gets, he gets a job Sorry, I just read Bruno Kirby's bio on IMDB and it's not what I was expecting 
Okay, so I'm thinking Bruno Kirby. I I think he maybe he's he's a little bit zealot. He was in The Godfather too. He was in When Harry Met Sally, a uh, wagon wheel coffee table. What is what is his IMDb uh, bio? Uh, hold on, a little bit zealot is a good title and capturing. Oh, that. thank you. Uh, <clears throat> native New Yorker and Italianate, Italian, I T A L I A N A T E. Italian as an adjective on Italianate. top of an adjective? Italianate? Italianate. Bruno Is that the Cur- difference between antique and antiqued? <laughs> Gold and golden? Gilded. Gilded and lily. Italianate. Law. <laughs> Bru- Bruno Kirby tended towards assertive, pushy, streetwise characters and was armed with a highly distinctive, scratchy tenor voice that complemented his slim eyes and droopy puss. What? And accentuated his deadpan comedic instincts on film and TV. Okay. It's kind of Droopy odd. puss. Okay. So, uh, and of course, oh, you got Bentley. <laughs> Bentley plays Fleeber. Remember? When he gets his books, books, he says, you haven't read the Fleeber? And he keeps referring to himself in Ar- the third Arthur person. Arthur Fleeber, played That's by Bentley, Paul Bentley Benedict. from the Jeffersons, and also Spinal Tap. <laughs> I'm just the God made me, sir. Um... <laughs> But, 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 but just let me just, just give me another, give me another, you know, 60 seconds to two hours on this. Then, so he goes to work for the, for a local mobster because he's, he needs a way to make money now. And the local mobster is, uh, is played by Marlon Brando. Yes. And Marlon Brando is doing Don Corleone. Yes. And it's a joke in the movie, right? Yes. And so is the conceit in the movie that The Godfather was written about him? That's kind of my interpretation of it is that the, um, um, a, uh, I guess it was modeled after him, but you can't talk to him about it. They doesn't, yeah, he doesn't he want to hear about, about it. it. Yeah. So Don't anyway, mention. that's about as crazy as it gets. Oh, I'm sorry. One other thing mm. I should have mentioned. Mm. There's a very convoluted screwball. The, the actual story that will play out in the second and third acts are about smuggling uh, exotic animals yes. to be used as food at a restaurant for very, very rich people. Right. And you get, you to, get to eat, eat like the world's species. last Komodo dragon or something That's like right. that. That's right. And, and uh, oh God, who plays, who plays, is it the guy from Twin Peaks? That one guy uh, plays the Carmine says one boy and here there are two. Uh, there is, yes, yes. What, what, what's his name? I'm is it the guy from, uh, is it the guy from, uh, what's that story? Hold on. What's that guy's name? Kenneth Welch. Kenneth Welch. Bert okay, Parks. Bert Parks is the, uh, host of the Miss America pageant mm-hmm. who hosts the dining dinner where he says, uh, there he is, your Komodo dragon. Frank Whaley, Paul Benedict. Kenneth Welsh. Kenneth Welsh. I don't think that's who I'm thinking of. No, 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 no. Burr Parks. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it, it's pretty well. So why would it not get made today? Oh my God. The movie's so weird, but that's what made it fun. It made it, it was so fun that Marlon Brando was out there, you know. Having fun. Bit. He's having fun with himself. He's having, he's having fun, fun with it. He's, he's playing in the space. That's fun. The story's so odd. The the combination, the casting that they do, the people, the the high-stacked cast they've got for this wackadoo movie. Yeah. It's it's so weird. I, yeah, I, well, it's, it's so tough to say 
you know, did it hold up or not? Something I argue. Uh, Why is it tough or- to say if you if you if you look at it and you watch it and you say, you know, this didn't hold up, then it then I would say it hasn't held up. Well, no, you're you just right. don't want you're to right. be mean. You're too nice. Some movies don't hold up. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, you know, you're too, okay, so you're too nice. You care too, too nice. much about, it, about the producers. Just say it didn't age well. Here's the thing that I, I argue at with and near Syracuse about every two to three weeks when we talk <laughs> about reviews, ratings, recommending things. Right. Because it's a really thorny issue for me. And, and I'm, I'm going to summarize it all down to this. There's never been a night in my entire life where I said, I really want to watch a three star movie tonight. Like, think about that. Yeah. Now, there, maybe there have been nights where you say, I want to watch a five-star movie. Mm-hmm. But like, what the F does that mean? What does is what is, what is three-star movie mean? Because without facets, I mean, there's the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this and put this in my quotes file. So I stop misquoting this. If I can't find it, I will stop saying it. You hope. The story goes that Roger Ebert has said that he evaluates a movie based on how successful the director and the team were at producing what they thought they were making. So it and doesn't, so, ma- you're saying it doesn't matter if it was good. It's just where they, no, did they no, make I'm, the thing I'm, they wanted to make? I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get beyond. I mean, like, I think, I, I imagine that in, um, I don't know, I, I don't know this for a certainty, but I imagine at some point in his life, Roger Ebert got to where he sort of was cringing at the thing that basically his show popularized. They didn't invent this, the idea of yes or no, but the idea of this <laughs> is good or bad. Right. But thumbs up, thumbs down was so such a great, catchy thing. So you could say, Siskel and Ebert say, two thumbs up. And you would know, hey, that's a pretty good movie. These guys don't like each other, and you know, Siskel drinks a lot. So they, uh, uh, that, that was a good idea. But, but Roger Ebert was a much more nuanced fella. And he would tell you, like, I think he had some bad takes that, as you say, have not aged well. Yeah. But... But the guy was a genius. All I'm trying to say is, okay, did it age well? <sighs> Not really. Um, one way, here's another way to put, did it age well? Uh, when we say, did it age well, most of us uh, white men in our 40s and 50s mean, do I still like it as much as I used to? I think another way to say, did it age well, is, eh, are there mm, concepts and depictions that are challenging by today's standards? Mm-hmm, right. See also... Almost every John Hughes movie, mm-hmm. um, Caddyshack, any of those. Um, here's Por- another one. Porky's, you're saying uh, Porky's doesn't hold up? <clears throat> you know that guy did. Um, that guy did um, Christmas Story. Same guy, Bob Clark. I now I have to rewatch both of those movies in and think of that. And did, did, are you aware of the, did, 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 are you aware of the things that George Miller has done? Like you know the Mad Max movies. Did you know he did Babe? I think the maybe, pig about the pig. I think he did. He did a babe and or babe pig in the city. He also did happy feet. The penguin movie. George Miller has had a very interesting career. I, I couldn't watch happy feet. Didn't watch that. Number one. Let's see. A hundred, hundred, uh, hundred people surveyed. Number one answer. When people say, um, has it age? Well, they're saying, do I still like it? Number two, they're saying, is this, as we say, uh, 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 number sign problematic, Right. I think the third one that is very interesting, and what I'm trying to focus on here when you ask me that question is, has it aged well? Could I show this to somebody with, and without giving them a history lesson, a bunch of right. context clues, or other, this is, would this be um, as enjoyable or nearly as enjoyable as when it came out? The answer to that is absolutely no. Because, and there's so many things like that where, I mean, if you show, 
I don't know, though, because, I mean, that's true of Battleship Potemkin. If you showed a 10-year-old, like, a classic silent movie mm-hmm. out of context, they're not going to realize that this is the guy, this is, or like, D.W. Griffith invented, not racism, but he invented several of the shots that define the vocabulary of film, including, you know, certain shots, certain edits, stuff like that. Dan, and as much as you can say, how do you, in your head, define whether something has aged well? Take all the time you need. Hmm. Are you closer to the first one? Is it still good to watch? Do I still enjoy it? Yeah, that would be it for me. It's not so much because a lot of movies in a way are a time capsule. They represent what was going on then. They represent what we were feeling and thinking then. And so they're very much of the time. And I think it's very difficult to make a movie that will not be of its time unless it's like a period piece or something like that. You know what I mean? And and I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, this whole movie is based around the fact that they couldn't reach this one guy. And if they just had a cell phone, there wouldn't even have been a movie, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's, and, that is actually something that Siskel and Ebert used to talk about oh, a really? lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I think this, this one I think is a Siskel invention. It's what's he call it? The idiot plot or something. And it's that kind of like, you know, French farce idea of like, well, is this is the entire plot predicated on something that could be cleared up with a single honest conversation, <laughs> something like that? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you're right. We watched we were watching the Matrix uh, a couple days ago. Oh yeah, the, uh, first Matrix, and like I, it's still kind of funny to me that that's, that movie still feels impossibly modern to me. It mm-hmm. looks really good. Mm-hmm. Talk about a movie that's that has aged well. Jiminy Christmas. The the I mean, there's some slightly silly CG stuff, but it was at the time it wasn't silly. At the time when he goes over and touches the mirror and it does that uh, uh, Terminator 2 yeah. liquid effect. That, that was, was very really cool. cool. It's a little cheesy now, but it was, I mean. <clears throat> but it's only cheesy because they did it and then everyone else copied it and we're yeah, so used to seeing it Everybody, now. the first time they go in and Carrie Ann Moss is sitting there looking at the thing and then she does the, the bullet time, the first bullet time in the movie. You're like, what? what is this? Oh my God. Anyway, uh, why am I saying that? But that movie, as we've said half a dozen times, uh, telephones, mostly landline telephones are important in that story. When they lose, when they lose the ability to use their, uh, their, their cool, uh, mm-hmm. clicky fl- flick out phone, right, like, right. you gotta get to the landline, you gotta get to the pay phone at, you know, dingle and dingle, run to yeah. that. Yeah. But um, you know, I think that's okay. I think it's okay. And what I've, the way that I've done that is I've started to look at movies like that as in and of themselves as a period piece film. It's just something that took, that was a period piece in the eighties before they had it or in the nineties before they had it, you know what I'm saying? So did, that it, yeah. it's, it, you know, you have to look at it like that and you have to think that those things that were plot devices or whatever, a lack of something, you know, when, if you were to see a movie like, um, Oh, gone with the wind. I don't care what some movie from way back when yeah. that was in and of itself a period piece. You don't expect to see a uh, you know a- anything in that movie about phones, right? Because it's the, yeah, there'd be an anachronism. The, yeah, there's no reason to mention it. You just have to look at the '80s movies that way and say that it was a different oh, time. Yeah. You know, it was just a different time. Yeah. Um, real quick, um, real time follow up, um, uh, clarification and uh, a correction. Let's see. So the guy who plays, um, uh, the guy who plays Larry London, <clears throat> the Carmine said one boy. Yes. Guy, yes. That is, he's played by the great Maximilian Schell, 
Ah, who was yes. yeah well he was in a lot of like good like war movies and stuff i think uh i was confusing him and they are kind of similar looking i was confusing him with the great russ tamblin who uh oh. who you will remember from david lynch things and was well, he was uh he was riff in west side story i see you know what i mean yes yep yep <laughs> stay cool boy keep that rocket in your pocket cool boy <laughs> Tonight, tonight. Mm. Uh, so does it age well? Yeah, you know, it's it's silly. You know, I, I don't know why I obsess about these kinds of things, but like it's just it is kind of funny. So what my, my originating remark here, I've never I've never began my begun my evening by saying I want to watch a three-star movie. Well, that sounds like a silly thing to say. Well, that's the problem. It's like you say to somebody, how many how, how do you rate this movie? Like, what, what do you mean, how do I rate this movie? Like for what purpose, reason? change in action right you could say like back when the wire cutter was good you could say i'm mm-hmm. gonna go to the wire cutter when it was good and say i really want to get a uh i want to get a blow dryer for blow drying and you say okay here's the one here's the blow dryer this is the one to get and that changes over time they update but it's even or especially a site like that or if we're good you go there and it'll tell you a bunch of facets same way Wired used to do that thing of like every time they would do a, a product overview they'd be, they'd be like here's the one you should probably get Here's the cheap one, and here's the one that's more expensive than you like, but fancy people buy. <laughs> right. Right? And if I have a beef with Wirecutter, it's that I feel like they've lost their somewhat, somewhat, they've kind of, they've dropped the ball on being your smart friend who keeps you from buying the dumb cheap one. A smart friend will, will talk you down from something that's 10 times more expensive than you need for your purpose. But I think for most garden variety people, the most valuable thing your smart friend can do is say... Uh, this is the one everybody gets, right? Like I, yeah, I have, yeah. we have a uh, challenge for Dubai Friday and I've had this wild hair thinking about if I want to get a 3D printer and I don't know anything oh, about 3D printers. I've had my, one, uh, yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. I mean, my kid super wants one. I want to get one. I can have the show pay for most of it. And so I'm like, you know what, maybe we should get, does that be fun to have right now? And there's mm-hmm. these Star uh, Star Trek, um, little Star Trek dudes that we want to make. Um. But I don't, I don't know where to begin with that. And here's the problem. If I go out and I spend, I don't know, if I spend $600, $800 on a 3D printer and go, wow, that really seems like a lot of money. But then I, what if I get it? It arrives. It doesn't make the things we want. It takes a proprietary format. Is that even a problem? I don't know. And that's the problem. Because I do know, I do know the kinds of advice that I'm able to give to my friends. The whole point of that expertise is that I've been through this, so you don't need to sweat this. You know what? You know, here's another way to put this. If you went to somebody in a field of um, vocation, a classic example being something like, I don't know, chef and chef's tools. And you say, like, what mandolin should I get? And like, well, you get the one everybody has. It's the one that's on top chef. It's the one everybody uses. But like, what if you went to a place and said, oh, show me the one that's on sale right now? Well, now we're back to the Cuisinart coffee maker problem. We're like, how many of these will I have to buy over time? Like, tell me the one that everybody gets, tell me the one, and talk me out of the dumb one I don't need. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about products. But again, think about all of those things. You know, would you see your friend comes to you and says, um, I really want to get a a, a good uh, Japanese chef's knife. And uh, do do you have any ideas? Oh, yeah, sure. You should go out and get get one that's three stars. (laughs) What? Yeah, no one would say that. No. Um, They would never say that. You know me. I like to I like to I like to uh, share things I love and try to give context for why I think it's good. Right. 
I like sort of like along the lines of something Syracuse and I talk about. The best thing you can do in some ways, we talked about this very recently, is to go out and um, whether it's on Letterboxd or on wherever you go for these kinds of things or tracked or um, go find people that aren't just your friends, unless that's a fun thing for you, but find people where you go, oh, wow, if they gave, if one, here's, okay, sorry, one handy way to use ratings, if they gave a very high rating to a movie that you would also give a very high rating and almost everybody else hates, take note of that. That's, that's a very good indicator of somebody you might want to check out. If you find several movies, you go, oh, you give Synecdoche New York five stars too. Well, that's really interesting. You know, you give uh, the, the Forbidden Zone, you know, five stars or mm-hmm. whatever. And then, so you know what I'm saying, though? It's the, rather than trying to do this on a, a media basis, take another access to it and say, like, find people who like things similar to you do, that you do. And then you can say, like, oh, yeah, well, all my other friends gave it an okay three to four stars. This person I really like gave it five stars. And then the thing Syracuse likes to do is you, you find um, a secret media frenemies title. <laughs> and a secret media friend of me um, is uh, some friend of yours whose taste is totally different from yours. You know, and I'll be honest, there are people, you know, I, I won't wait for me to test the room on uh, the, the temperature of the room on political issues is if, if it's a terrible, terrible take from somebody that I hate, I know <laughs> I might be on the right side. So they could still be your friend, but they're a media friend of me. And so if it's, so there's somebody out there who's like, ah, Synecdoche, New York, so mod one and long, you're like, okay, I'll probably like that. I love this person, but I hate their taste. Mm-hmm. You like movies? I love movies. Me too. I watch a lot of YouTube, to be honest. Are, um, have, have you watched the new Penny Dreadful City of Angels TV show? Mm-hmm. Nope. I don't know if I would go so far as to recommend it yet, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of feeling Is like eight, there's... 1800s London? What's the setting? No, uh, their original Penny Dreadful was, but the new one, City of Angels, is about Los Angeles kind of in the like 50s, I would oh, say. Oh, it's like a totally it's a whole separate thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a totally oh. different uh, thing. It's kind of interesting, kind of cool. I'll write it down. Write it down. I don't know if you should write it down. Um, but I, I have down. continued watching on Becoming a God in Central Florida. I kept watching it. I'm now, I don't know, four or five you, episodes. Uh, I thought you were going to put that one aside. I know it. I, I wanted to give it more of a chance. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm really starting really what? like really? it now. Yeah, I really am into it now. Um, have you I, gotten to the fifth? Have you gotten to the fifth episode? No, I'm not on the fifth one yet. I think I just but finished even the pretty fourth. early on. I mean, yeah, I. The, for what you know what Dan, you know what the turning point w- was for me w- w- the, the thing that that took me from i'm not sure if i like this first of all i mean the one cool thing was the alligator i mean that was a surprise i won't say anything but when she does her performance oh my god at that point i, I was like stop everything this show is freaking amazing and i'm in i'm all in now I'm i was so glad. and then the and feeling. then at was, the, when when they when yeah. when the two uh guys i don't want to even say who they are are at the restaurant drinking uh oh grape god. and the fight oh my god oh my god and the way he's drinking trying to get at the oh, straw it's so they, good blue. oh my god <sighs> I'm so I'm all in now, Merlin. How much I'm do you love that in. guy? Isn't he, I mean, he's amazing. Her, no, I've already forgotten his name. Her boss, the uh, the, the Cody, uh, religious Cody. guy with the beard. Oh, oh yes, yes. What's his name? Oh no, I've already forgotten. Ernie. His name. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all it's all great. The Silence of the Lambs guy is great as the as the head guy. <laughs> um, 
I, yeah, but you know what, Dan, that's such a good example. You know, put that up there. I mean, I, th- when you say in some ways it has a very, oh my God, wait feel. a minute. That's him from yeah, Silence the of the Lambs. The-, the guy from Monk. He's from Monk and Silence of the Lambs. Oh my God, my dude, you just blew my mind. I <laughs> really? didn't realize that was him. That's that. Oh I mean, my he's got, God. He's got a little bit of a Shatner situation where like, I think for <laughs> at least for, uh, for the, whatever he does, he'll always be. <laughs> <laughs> put the I had the Buffalo guy. Bill. It's Buffalo Bill. I had no idea. Yeah, that's it. Billy Rubin. Oh my God. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny thing. That movie is amazing. The book might be even better. It's a very good book. Okay, so yes. Okay, but wouldn't you say it's very Coen Brothers? It's, it's like if you, this is the kind of movie that I would, rec- or excuse me, TV show that I would recommend to people who enjoy the, the Stranger Coen Brothers movies. Yes. Not Stranger, but, but a movie like, what? Because they have their movies that are that are leaning pretty far into the wackadoo. Mm-hmm. Like you got something like Raising Arizona. Um, maybe I would count something. I guess Big Lebowski. But like a movie like um, A Argo? Serious Man. Yeah. Um, but like a, you know what I mean? Like a movie that is pr- kind of seemingly straight on the face of it, but then crazy <laughs> stuff's going on underneath. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you know, would you recommend this to everybody? Yes, I'm going to say yes. You really? just have to, you just Dan have to. Dan is officially endorsing On Becoming a God in Central Florida, and I'm I'm smitten. But you know, you have to go, th- there's a process. There's a process to it, just like there's a process for the concern, Big Lebowski. Dude. This is our mm-hmm. concern, dude. <laughs> you well, have, I got to go watch it. You have to, you have, and I told my son is not ready to watch the Big Lebowski yet. He's 12. And I think he, he could watch it from the concept of like mm-hmm. content, I'd be all right with him watching pretty much most of it. But the fact is he's not, he wouldn't appreciate it that's at exactly, the level that I want so, him to that's appreciate exactly it. exactly my thought on so many things. Yeah. So I have to hold it back until he will appreciate it. Because if he sees it too soon, it'll be, oh, that's that old movie I saw with my dad. I'm not that interested. But if I wait, it'll become a favorite film. But I explained to him, I said, yes. the first time you see it, you, you'll think it's fine. You won't get what the big deal is. You'll want to watch it again, though. You won't know why. You'll watch it again. And the yeah. second time, you'll think, this isn't that good of a movie. I don't know why I watched oh, that no, again. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real ride up through viewing five to eight. Yeah. And After once you get eight, there. You corner. Yeah. I'll give you an uh, example of that that might be even more uh, example of that than that example, which is um, <laughs> Airplane. And there's like, right. there's, so Airplane, I don't know if anybody's returned to Airplane lately, um, but there's a lot of number sign problematic stuff in that. Um, but here, there's a couple problems. One is so much of the humor in Airplane. Well, I'm going to stipulate that at least for most of my youth, that was one of my favorite movies. I know those guys are kind of tools. I know there's a lot of like really kind of terrible, gross stuff in the movie, but I'm sorry, in the 1980s, that was the pinnacle of what Americans could do with very, very strange humor to me. Right, that and yes. Like, um, uh, police, not police story, police squad. Police you squad, know, yeah, love, yeah. I love police squad. Um, it was really pushing the boundaries of what was considered to be, I mean, those movies were really weird. They, they were, were so really weird. weird. And, and like to quote the guys, one of the guys from The Watch, it's a nonstop joke machine. It's one of those shows, like, like, like now we've got 30 Rock. Well, we had 30 Rock. But there are those shows now where they're like, there's so many good jokes, or Kimmy Schmidt, so many good jokes per minute. And it's just nonstop. In that case, the dumb sight gags, 
the, you know, uh, they're so famous for those. Like uh, Todd will often repost that GIF where it looks like he's on the moving train, but he's actually at the station and the, the station is pulling away. And, right. Or the giant telephone, I think in Top Secret. All of those things. In the 80s, the, the nonstop joke machine of Airplane, and think about how many quotes, at least for me, I, so, so many quotes from that movie I still use. Don't call me Shirley. Pick the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff. But you get two problems. Well, okay, let's get to the it's obvious always two things with you. It's all, you know, let me write that down. It's always two things with me. Okay. Um, okay, first of all, there's some pretty offensive stuff in it. They were the it, it was offensive by then standards, and it's like pretty not okay by today's. The lady mm-hmm. talking jive on the plane, still funny, but pretty pretty gross. Like you wouldn't do that today. It's not something I would want to say. Oh yeah, this dad. This is one of dad's favorite movies. Because again, <laughs> now what does she take away from that? Wow, where's your hood, dad? Um, and then the but the other problem to your point, Dan, is that movie is so predicated on ideas, concepts, cliches. Things that we anybody in 1980 would instantly recognize. She's going to have no clue. Mm-hmm. She's never seen a, like an, uh, a disaster movie, right? She doesn't. She doesn't know what pennies is and why they're having a sale. Right. Like oh, there's just all of the stuff. And so this is where I think I, our points uh, come together right now over me, which is: is this worth? So for me to get my little kick of introducing my kid to this and hoping that that person will laugh at it, is that? Um, offset by all those downsides. So, like the the, the like, she's not going to know these references. It's pretty gross. I certainly wouldn't want her to be modeling this. And the answer for some things is no. It didn't age well right. in that sense. It did not age well in the sense of like I'm very comfortable. I mean, Duck Soup. I mean, there is one. Let's be honest. There's one slightly racist scene in Duck Soup. But I think other than that, it is well. It well is offset by how blisteringly funny that movie still is today they shouldn't have done the song with the banjo playing that's all i'm gonna say about that yeah but back in that in that time that was fine so it's a time it's a a time capsule yeah that's a that's a tough uh that's a tough one um boy a lot of angles a lot of ins a lot of outs a lot of what have you Mm -hmm. gotta go go to find a cash machine i can get you a tow finish it i get to tell but i don't want to yeah. i want to ruin it for people with nail polish just enjoy my coffee staying roundly rejected the supreme court has rallied <laughs> it's such a good movie and i feel like i need to watch it again you know i gotta say like i i uh, i haven't i haven't watched sat down and watched it in a while because i i kind of did watch it a lot for a while but um from the top Starting with the tumbleweed, going through that wonderful uh, Sam, uh, what's his name? Sam Elliott. Sam Watterson? Sam Watterson, (laughs) Sam Elliott. (laughs) Right. Uh, The great Sam Rockwell, um, the the narration at the beginning. So good. He gets to the store. He's sniffing the half and half. He signs the check, 9-11, across this line. Gets back to his house. He gets beat up. Um, Pee on the rug. And then through the first scene at the bowling alley. It's, it's got to be one of the weirdest and strongest openings oh, yeah. for a comedy I've ever seen. Where you're like, what am I watching? What am, what the hell am I watching? I didn't buy it a beer. I didn't rent it shoes. <laughs> you, went, you know, she went, to, uh, she went to Hawaii with Marty Ackerman. You know, I think... <laughs> She'd come and give me notes. <laughs> if you... 
if, I love if, the landlord. <laughs> and his performance and it's serious. Yes. I mean, it's you cycle. Know, it's there's cycle. so much to this movie that is like real life. And that's the weird thing is the longer that I've been alive, the more I feel like movie real life is stranger than movies. I see things all the time that I just think you, when I was younger, I would have said that would never happen. Nobody's like that. And I'm still surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, but real life is stranger than fiction. That's it's true. It really Mm -hmm. is true. It it is. And, 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 um, there's that word that people use, abuse. It's lost a lot of its meaning, you know, surreal. Mm-hmm. 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 Or, you know, you think about something like surrealism or, or magic realism and that kind of stuff. And like one reason any kind of uh, fanciful mind effing stuff, uh, it's tough to nail. It's it, You can easily go too far. You can easily be too cute. You can easily go over the edge and look like a student film. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get weird right. And... It takes, um, I think in the case of somebody like the Coen brothers, I think they have a real, they seem to have a real confidence, a real sense of what we need to do to shoot this right now to get this the way that we want. And I, I know not everybody loves this movie, but I w- was a big fan of the Hudsucker Proxy um, when I was, you know, in my 20s. And I, I thought, I thought that was just one of the funniest movies. There's so many great visual gags in that movie. Like the whole thing where, where um, he's, Paul Newman has the office like behind the clock. And Norbert, Norbert, is that his name? Comes in and, and he accidentally starts the fire. And then he has to go get the giant water thing to like put it out the, the fire in the waste paper basket. And it's, that whole sequence is so funny. Or like the scene in the bar when um, uh, Sarah Jessica Louise uh, Masterson comes in. What's the actress's name that I like? What's her name? Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mary, Mary Carol Dreyfus. <laughs> I'll find it for notes. I know her name. She has, she's a three-namer, I think. When she comes in and here comes the waterworks, like, oh, bromo. You know, that's uh, such a good movie. And I think it's hard to do. I think weird is difficult. When you find weird, embrace it. You know what I'm saying? Weird is difficult. I don't really have anything for today. We don't need, Uh you know, a person like you don't need anything. I I feel like I I did have one uh, yesterday and I forgot to write it down. I'm not worried. Do I sound no. worried? No. Does this look like a man who's worried? When they wear their mask and their nose is sticking out of it, and they're mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the top of the mask is kind of at the top of their bottom lip. Yeah, are you talking about like a like a like a mask wearing COVID yeah. person? Yeah, and I'm j- I. I feel like it. Why are you wearing it then? You're not wearing oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I was watching a uh, as they say a hit. I was watching um. I had the sound off, but MSNBC was on and. I don't, I don't know who she was talking to. Uh, Katie Turr was talking to this woman in the field about, sadly enough, the rise in all this, you know, terrible rise in domestic abuse. Anyway, and she's, the whole time she's talking, the poor thing, she has a pretty good mask on, but it keeps slipping and her nose keeps popping out and she keeps fixing it back. And, like, and in the background, there's a couple talking and the guy has his mask on his face, <laughs> but, but I, it was his, uh, under his nose because I guess it was, I don't know, inconvenient for him hard to breathe. Right. I get it. It's hard. It sucks. But, um, boy, you sure do see a lot of that. It's, you know, it's not to protect your beard fella, you know? Yeah. It's weird. I mean, why are they, why are they wearing it then? I mean, there's an aspect of, it's not doing, uh, it's not doing anything. There's an aspect of 
public health theater to what we're all doing, but I think that's part of it. Like I've said, I one reason I wear a mask, well, it's always two things with me. I wear a mask to, to uh, protect others. I do wear a mask to theoretically, I guess, protect myself, mostly others. But also, I just want everybody to see other people wearing masks. It's the ultimate example of good modeling. Sorry to sound like such a stupid liberal dad, but like, you know, if you, if we all wear this and it, it's okay for people to wear them, it's, you know, when you see people wearing it, uh, like, you know, like McCoy would wear a kerchief, like, don't do that. I just feel like if you're going to do something, do it right or don't do it. Oh, I totally agree. You know, oh, that's all. It's that hundo. simple. If you're going to, if you, so are you going to actually go to the trouble to put the mask on? Okay, if you you know what if you're saying I'm not wearing it, that's a whole separate issue, whatever. And I'm not I'm not one of those people that well they're not wearing a mask and they should be. That I never think that. I don't think about that. I don't care. Whatever. If you're gonna do it right, if you're gonna paint yourself green, <laughs> paint yourself green. You know what I'm saying? Like do do it. Go all the way with it. Do it the right way. Don't have it come and then like I'm like. What's the point of having your nose and the, your upper lip are sticking out of it? It makes no it makes no sense to me. The do right. Oh, and I I got a lot of feedback, Merlin, hmm. um, from people riding bikes, talking about bike oh, lanes. Yeah, right. I mm-hmm. got feedback about the guy running in the middle of the uh, in yes. the middle of the street, and um and and I so we can <clears throat> we can talk about that or not. We can skip it. Whatever. Oh no, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. I I feel bad that um. I'm not. I'm not against <laughs> bikes and bike riding, and I certainly would not want to say that. Um, you just wish they didn't do it. And but just, just on the because road. you have, just because you have a cool name for running a stop sign, I still think it's a really bad idea. I'm in a neighborhood full of streets that are all are. It's hard to explain, but out in the avenues, you've got you got streets and you got avenues, and approximately every other street and avenue is a stop sign on any given street. Unless it's 20th Ave, which is the bike lane. It's a really, it's the least steep hill in the sunset. Right. But it's hard enough with drivers because, you know, like like in your neighborhood or like in your subdivision, you get really used to the rhythm of the traffic lights and you know what lights you can make by traveling, what speed and stuff like that. You, you You treat it like a personal rally. Maybe you don't, but I used to. You know what I mean though? You get a rhythm to it. Yeah. If they were to suddenly... Uh, change the speed of the stoplight that might be confusing. If mm-hmm. they suddenly added of the stoplight, if they suddenly added a stop sign where you had not anticipated one, you might have to like really catch yourself and go, oh, I, I guess I've stopped noticing whether there's a sign there. The trouble is on our neighborhood because it's kind of just about every other street, depending on the street with many, mm-hmm. many asterisks. A lot of people, either they've got the rhythm or they're not looking at the signs. And a lot of people blow through stop signs in cars around here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate that. And it's it's really scary. Um, and then the problem is, like, when a bike does that, I don't think people can see you. But I would love to talk about that. Uh, why don't you tell me about something you like? Oh, I would love to tell you about Squarespace. Sorry. <laughs> love that Squarespace. You Okay. I'm good. I'm sorry. I just got, I just got a text. I got to respond to. I'm sorry. Right. I'll do all this I'll, out. This will be on. I, then this will oh. never over. Oh, let me tell you about something I like. He's gone. <laughs> God damn it, Dan. <clears throat> sorry. I'll, it's, I, I, we gotta, I gotta get my landlord a package that was get, get in the I package. Nice. And <laughs> I want to say, I want to send a, just a nice note and say, how, how are you? I hope you're well. 
Yeah, just check in. Here's what I don't want to do, Dan. Here's what I don't want to do. You ready for this? Yes. Sounds good. Because that's a cop-out. You're saying that's a cop-out. I, you know, I, I do that. We do that. Everybody does that. Or the classic Syracuse, the four letters, sure. That's the classic Syracuse response. And I know what, sure. I can even hear it. I can hear it in his voice. This nice lady, it's a long story, um, but, but we got misdelivered a package and I want to make sure she gets it. But I would also like to send a personal note because she's really cool and I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, do you know what I don't want to say? Sounds good. I don't want to do that. You don't give more than that. You know what? I'm going to come back to this. I feel bad though. I hope I don't want to leave her on red. Well, go um, reply while I do the spot. And then you, um, how long do you need? Oh, 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 I think the amount of time for an app for Squarespace would, would accommodate my needs nicely. Well, then let me tell you some of the things yeah, you can you do with Squarespace. Like. I will tell you about Squarespace. There are so many things that you can do with Squarespace. You can take whatever your idea is and you can make it into a website. When I started doing web development, we were doing a lot of typing into into notepad we were learning a lot of html tags we were learning css there was so much work to be done just to build a website i'm not talking about a complicated website i'm not talking about something that you could maintain easily i'm talking about just getting something up online so difficult well those days are long gone but there are so many people who still are going through tons and tons of extra work just to make something And what they're making a lot of the time, I'm going to be honest, I'm not afraid to be honest. It's not that beautiful. It's not that great. It doesn't do that much. It doesn't work. Squarespace, and they're going to run with this. They can have this. Squarespace works. They're going to have, that's their 2020, I think their their slogan. It's my idea for it. They're going to allow you to take whatever the thing is that you want to talk about or share or do, and they're going to make it easy, very easy for you to turn that into a website. The website is going to be beautiful and they have tons of templates. So when you get started with Squarespace, the screen that you're presented with isn't give me all your sign up details, give me all this other information. No, it's what kind of site are you making? Here's some templates that you might like. You might want to do some really good starting points based on the kind of site that you're making because the website that somebody is going to use to promote their photography business is probably different from the website that you're going to use to uh, show your menu for your barbecue uh, truck. They're very different. Squarespace lets you do them all. And those features are so well integrated that you won't even know that you're doing stuff that's hard like embedding a YouTube video or setting up an e-commerce store and shipping stuff, uh, optimizing your website for mobile. All of these things are just built in really, really good SEO, a blogging engine, of course, tons and tons of features. They even help you make a logo for your business. You can register domain names with Squarespace, literally everything that you would want to do in and around the creation of a website it's part of Squarespace. They've thought of it all and they've made it really easy to use and easy to maintain. So you may think to yourself, I don't need a website right now. That's fine. Hang on to the special URL and the offer code until you are ready. Or if you know someone that is ready, let them know because this URL really supports the show. It lets Squarespace know that you're listening. Uh, And the URL is squarespace.com slash it's your show. That's the place to go. You don't even have to worry about signing up at this point. Just go and check it out. I think you'll see some stuff you like. And when you are ready to sign up, you're going to use the promo code. It's your show. All one word. No spaces. It's your show. And you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Pretty cool. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Show code. It's 
your show to save 10%. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making Back to Work possible, Merlin Man. Thanks, Squarespace. Buck, buck. Oh, it had a um, nice resonance to it that time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Proximity effect. Proximity effect. Uh, that way, that's the Doppler effect, isn't it? How no, dare Doppler's, you? Doppler's the uh, news, news and weather. <laughs> it's more, it, the proximity effect is when, how close and how far you yes. are from the, the microphone. Yes, I read about that. I learned it from my like book. That. Excuse me. Ah, ah, ah. Had a little froggy in there. A little French in <coughs> the throat. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I was going to say was that uh, I really like Squarespace. I feel like, you know, there's this, this uh, a term I've been struggling to come up with for... In particular, an app, an app or service. It could be lots of things in, okay. in life, but an app or service that I wish I had more reasons to use for more things today. So, like, um, you know, things like things like um, Slugline for writing screenplays is one. We might make this a challenge on Do by Friday, but you know, it's like Squarespace. I do use it a lot all the time. Like and, and like something like Descript, the Descript, the podcast editing app. Uh-huh. I'm so excited to have that as part of my day-to-day actual workflow now. In the case of Descript, I edit podcasts and funny compilation things. But with uh, Squarespace, it's still a joy to use. It's become, especially on Monday mornings after I uh, finish with Roderick, I edit the show in Descript. And then I, uh, I, 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 I mux it up in uh, Forecast by Mark Arment. And then uh, I put it on the internet. I write the show notes. I do all the things. But that's all Squarespace, baby. All Squarespace. Yeah. Squarespace, baby. <laughs> I don't want to talk over much about controversial topics that will get me in trouble with people who ride bikes. Okay. I We could talk about it some, but the more we talk about it, the more people will contact us about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there might be other things that people would like to hear about and that will not make them want to contact us. Mm-hmm. Tell me your feelings on this. Yeah, I think you're right. Because um, they might be, they might be, you know, typing it on their phone when they're blowing through a stop sign. Guy, kidding, kidding. Yeah, I think you know. I think the the overall. I'll just summarize the responses yeah. I got because I feel it's the, that's my responsibility. To, Absolutely, sure. No, I'm I'm sorry. I did not mean to to uh, bike block you. No, not I didn't feel bike blocked. Um, you know, I had commented I was confused because there are several intersections here in Austin, Northwest Austin, where uh, bike riders, bikers on their 10 speeds will be uh, in, they will be riding, driving. What do you call it? You're riding in the you don't drive a rocket. You ride it. You ride it in the right hand turn lane, uh, extended uh, turn lanes, ones that are, you know, quite long to allow for a lot of traffic during rush hour. They will ride their bike in that lane and they will not be turning right. They will not be turning right. They will be, just riding slow to the stop at the light in that lane. They will sit in that lane, um, making it impossible for a vehicle to turn. Vehicles will stack up behind them. And then when the light turns, they will continue riding forward and not turn. And then they're, they kind of merge onto the side of the road. And some people said, oh, well, you know, there are certain signs that indicate that they should do this. Nope, there there are no signs at either of these two intersections that I'm thinking of. Uh, there, the, the one thing that I heard was somebody said, well, bike riders are often trying to be, because of 
you know, they're, they're on the road, sharing the road with multiple ton vehicles. So their goal is to be as out of the way as possible and to be as far to the right as possible because they want to be on the shoulder options for getting off the road if they need to, Uh, for safety reasons, it makes perfect sense. And, and I understand this. And I think that if, if a biker is doing this because they want, are trying to be safe, uh, and they're practicing as best they can safety and it's safety at the expense of a handful of cars having to sit at a light and wait for them, uh, then I respect that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. As long as we publicly acknowledge mm-hmm. that they are breaking the law and that mm-hmm. they should oh, be boy. ticketed, they should be ticketed if they're doing oh, Dan. that. Dan, 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 Dan. No, no, listen, oh, hear me out. Okay, hear me just out. don't, I'm don't gonna, contact me about this. Just no, Dan, please. They can contact me, but let, just listen. Mm-hmm. If they acknowledge that it's wrong, and that they're doing it for safety, then I fully support and respect it. And I think they should continue to do it. If they're doing it and they think that it's okay to do, then I'm not, I'm not okay with that. So as long as we can acknowledge that they're doing something that they know that it's, because listen, sometimes you get to break the law a little bit. I'm not saying you don't for safety. In this case, I think it's fine. I think mm-hmm. it's fine that they're doing it as long as they don't think that they're that they're doing something right, they're doing something safe and safe trumps right. So that's my take on it. You're doing it. Be aware that it's illegal and I'm, and we're, we can, we can hang together. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the thoughts on the guy running in the middle of the road. Oh, so just to go back here, we're talking about Dan's concern. This is my concern. I have some thoughts. I just, when you're done, I want to let you finish when you're done. I would want to share some thoughts that I have on uh, how to settle uh, any of the issues with Israel and Palestine. (laughs) That'll be easier than this. So (laughs) the guy uh, is, there's a jogger. Dan's concern. Yeah. Tell them what the concern was. Describe your concern in case they weren't listening. There is a uh, guy in our neighborhood. He's he's a, a jogger and he, I've caught him now jogging in the middle down the center middle <laughs> of, him. well, I, I think he was, didn't want to be seen doing it because right. he was very, you know, when I saw him doing it, he, you know, the look on his face was very like he'd gotten. Oh, like a, like a, like a bear with his paw in the cookie jar. Yeah. yeah. Winnie, mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh. So he, uh, he was jogging in the middle on top of the yellow line. And I thought, why would anyone do this? And what, what a lot of people, a lot of people wrote to me and tweeted to me, direct messaged me to say is he's probably like a long distance runner. And when you're running a long distance, right. it can be, you know, the roads, the every road, especially at the sides of the road, they were talking about how the roads are designed so that if it rains or if there's water or anything, that they are designed to run off to the sides of the roads where they can, the water can be picked up by gutters and things like that. And so there's a an angle or slope to the road and if you run in the middle of the road you're going to avoid uh, you're going to have a more even experience for both feet whereas if you're running on the side of the road and it's uneven eventually over long distances that can actually create an unequal unevenness in 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 your muscles it can create back pain it can create knee issues it can create just by running on a surface that's not equal or even and so by running in the middle of the road you're avoiding that and, and, and that makes perfect sense as to why he would do it. But I'm just, I'm still, I still worry. I'm not going to lie. I still worry about him. I still worry about him because mm-hmm. I feel like he could get, he's, he could get hit and I'm worried. Mm-hmm. You're worried. Yeah. It's, it's really out of concern. That's all it ever was. <clears throat> and same thing for the bikers. I'm concerned about them too. I want them to be safe because one day be something's going to happen. I want to be happy. You know yesterday, I mean? yesterday I was, I was uh, driving I saw a, uh, we were stopped at a stoplight at an intersection 
and uh, the light turned green and the girl in the car in front of me started driving. And all of a sudden she didn't even get really out far into the intersection. She slammed on her brakes. I slammed on mine car, probably 80 miles an hour runs the red light flies straight through the intersection. She would have 100% been T-boned if she had not stopped. She was paying attention. She was not looking down at her phone. She was doing the right thing and she was fine and we were all fine and everything was great. And I was like, wanting so badly to like somehow express to her how impressed and proud of her reaction I was. And like, that's the kind of thing that I worry about with these guys on the bikes or whatever is somebody coasts into that turn lane. They look up and they don't pay. They're not paying a hundred percent attention or something. They're not expecting to see someone on a bike coasting at five miles an hour in, in the turn lane, adjusting their helmet. They're not going to see that. And that person is going to, anyway, that's what I'm, that's at the heart of this for me. Anyway, that's all I've got to say about that. And total mutual respect for the 1968 borders. Now, listen, Dan, you probably are going to need to cut out that previous 90 minutes of no. my, uh, my Palestine thoughts. Okay. Listen, there's good Palestinians and, you know, it's good Palestinian chicken here. <laughs> All right. Saving the world. Yeah. One bike yeah. at a time. I don't have, you know, hopefully it'll come back to me what my good idea was for today. The only thing, so we could talk more about, I have not spent a lot more time looking at what our readers said about the working from home training. Uh, just to recap from last time, because we, we had the poll results by last week, right? Uh, yes, I think yeah, so. Yeah. So yeah. it turned out better than I had expected. It seems to be, um, I mean, just this is very anecdotal. Anecdotal evidence from a Twitter poll called mm-hmm. Lancet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it seems like there's, a, there's a, a, an interesting um, gap in the responses. It's not, so basically what I'd said was, sorry, I'm reading the note from my landlord. I got to close the window. Um that so what i'd ask was uh, in getting prepped for working from home um were you sort of counseled or did you have, what kind of interactions did you have with your company or your team you know were you was it were they awesome uh, you didn't get as much as you want or like you didn't get anything at all and i was, I was pleased and surprised to see as i said last week i was pleased and surprised that the uh, they did a good job was the number one answer and because I, you know, like I say, I, I do think it is sort of a truism that people are most likely to respond to something like a poll if they have a strong negative feeling. Right. It, you, it's either because you're a super fan, five stars, or <laughs> or a super hater, zero stars. Um, but what was interesting was the <laughs> top answer was they did a great job. And the second highest answer was I got nothing at all. And the third answer was I, I got some, but I would like more. There's a 25 character limit per item on Twitter polls, which is silly to me, but yeah. That, what do you think they do that? Why, why do you think they do that? I had like six different, cause I think about these things and I know that polls, even informal polls work better when, um, when you've, we've given, uh, an accurate and reasonable array of responses. So yeah, you only get, you get a total of four choices, each of which is 25 characters. Seems weird. But anyway, uh, I was pleased to see that. For the folks who didn't get it, some of those answers have been interesting. But, uh, you know, that seems encouraging. 
I do want the part about that feels like the moving target is uh, even setting aside the whole like sort of single mom scenario, which is not a scenario. It's a reality for probably millions of people. Um, the, the, the question um, that I still have, though, is how will this evolve? Like we've been living in the um, the during times. Mm-hmm. where, as we've talked about exhaustively on every show I've been on, it's been actually in some ways kind of cool that everything shut down in the sense that if we chose to do a good job of this, like it gave us the opportunity. But, you know, there hasn't been a lot of equivocation about when it's time to quote unquote reopen things, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Um, but and I think that this difficult period of the e- even arguably more difficult period of living through the plateau, this plateau is going to suck. It's, it's, there's no way this thing is going to go consistently down anytime soon. I really feel like we're going to be stuck in this at roughly probably this level, hopefully not worse for a while. I I hope I'm wrong about that, but, um, this level meaning the limitations on what we can do within society or within, yeah, I mean, uh, per, per everything, (laughs) uh, the mixed messaging, the muddled messaging, the, just this stupidity of all this explain lack of explanation about why we're wearing a mask why we should be wearing a mask why we are should be social distancing it's such a muddled message and it's such a complicated message um like i said i think last week opening up valdosta is very different from opening up atlanta for example Mm -hmm. um but you know so i guess i feel like the challenge is going to be as we slowly go back to whatever we're going back to, or we'll put it another way, as we start moving into whatever our new reality is, uh, as we start to get out of total lockdown and into the new reality, what's life going to look like? Well, it's going to look really different for lots of different people. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's nobody who's not going to be, every situation is going to be so different for every person, every area, every job, every role inside the office. It's all going to be different. Anyway, everybody's bored hearing about this. I don't blame you. I think the challenge for the working from home part and uh, apropos of that question I asked is how will this evolve over time? Because for some people, this is now going to suddenly get maybe a little bit easier. For some people, this this could get a lot harder. Put it this way. Um, Let's say you're at the kind of company where they go, okay, you're free. Like Twitter said, I think, I believe Twitter has said you can work at home forever if you want. Right. Well, can we take it as read that inside of a large enough company, and when you've got interconnected teams, there's probably a pretty good chance that there are some people who are at, have been at work this whole time. There are other people who have not been at, uh, at the office or the team location, but have successfully worked from home because that's the nature of their job. For other people, maybe it's a little more of a struggle. As people go back to work, title, <laughs> um, as more people go back to work, and alongside some people taking the option to stay at home, ask mm-hmm. yourself this. I mean, have you ever been the person that's always on the remote call? And how did that make you feel? It sucks to, uh, to be the only person on the remote call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be some, it's one thing to say everybody's at home and we're all suffering, you know, we're in this together. But like once more pe- more and more people get back to work, I, how hard is it going to be to be the one who's at home some of the time still? There's those kinds of things. And how will the support be from your company at that point? Is is my my concern? What do you think? What do you think about what? Let me ask you this: Do you take this any way you want? Um, but this is a show that's nominally about work and going back to it. Yeah. So this is really in our in our wheelhouse. As as we make this transition to like okay, jokes have left the room. Um, as we make this transition to whatever comes next, mm-hmm. 
What are the things you're looking out for that you're looking at? From a work, career, business standpoint, what are the kinds of challenges of reopening or returning to physical locations to leaving? The, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about with all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's it. it everybody keeps saying, oh, it's going to be so weird when things open up again. And I'll, I'll be watching TV in the evening and I'll be seeing all these people out gathered around and they're hanging out together and they're hugging each other. Hello. And they're in a close proximity. I'm like, they're not social distancing. And it's weird because now like that whole concept is in our head. And so is working from home for a lot of people working from home is not something a lot of people ever even considered doing or wanted to do or whatever have even tried to do. It, it it was completely outside of the realm of what a lot of people were even comfortable trying to do. Yeah. And I know a lot of people whose entire social life <clears throat> comes from their job and, and interacting with people at work and those friends or friendships becoming uh, really their entire social outlet. There are especially so many at a, a startup, a small company, especially at a small company, especially at a company where you're putting in long hours with other people, especially in what I would call a, a younger company mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of, you know, uh, the people, no, it's a, your company is uh, it's not Marshall plan, United States of like 1948. It's right. United States army and allied forces of say 1942. You don't, right. there's no guarantee that you're going to survive this. Right. And, and there are so many companies that are out there that are, I think, they're well poised from the standpoint of we are just developers and designers and we're just, we can code all day and do it where you, you wouldn't think, Oh, these people physically need to be there, but there is really something about seeing people and interacting with people. That's very human. That I think is an important thing for a lot of people. There are certainly people who are, whether you want to call them introverted or socially anxious or whatever, for whom this is a huge relief that they're getting more done that they're, and it takes I out the biggest piece of what they maybe didn't like about their job, which was the proximity, right? you know, to people, to, to Janice and Deborah and Rick. I know a lot of developers that are just loving this because they're not getting, they're not getting interrupted. Yes. They have their staff call at 10 AM on every Monday, but other than that, you know, they're left alone now and they can really just work. And, and for them, that's fine. And I think there's a lot of people uh, like, like me, for example, who I have a family, so I get to see other human beings. Um, I'm not, I'm not all alone in an apartment completely, you know, and I didn't move to New York to get this job and to work at this place. And I've been there for three, six months. And like, I know all of these people and they're my friends and I'm just learning the city. And I'm just finding my way. And now I'm alone in my apartment all the time. Like that's got to really, really suck. And so I think we, 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 ha- we have an acquaintance who said something a couple of weeks ago that I still think about every day, several times every day. And this person said, I haven't touched another person in five weeks. Right. Like think about it in those terms. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, it is uh, uh, wise of us to <laughs> say like, okay, well, there's some things that you, like you and I just can't appreciate on any level because, yeah, it's annoying to be around, you know, other people sometimes, but man, what, dude, when my family leaves the house, if, if my uh, uh, wife and daughter go somewhere for the weekend, like visit family, I miss them so much after 
three, four hours. Like I don't normally miss them. Right. Like like a day at the office, I don't miss them this way. It's just, it's such a strange feeling to like, it's like the difference between, you know, being in a room and then being in a room with a door that you know is locked. Suddenly you get really panicky, even if you don't have, you know, a reason to need to leave right now. Right. And I get, I think it's like that. Now I try to think about that person and like, that sucks. Yeah, really horribly would suck. Not the level of like probably BS that the president likes to say about how this is, what's his dumb phrase? The cure can't be worse than the problem, which is not the phrase. But, you know, and all this, you know, you know, I don't want to use the word self-harm and uh, drug mm-hmm. and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. that's happening is more deadly than the disease. And it's like, no, that's not accurate, but, but it, it's not totally untrue. It's a very lonely time for a lot of people and for other people it's the least lonely time it could be. There are people, believe it or not, in the world who feel lonelier around other people, especially strangers, mm-hmm. than they do by themselves. Yes. That's, I think that's a truism that people don't talk about. We joke about it. We talk about cat people or whatever. But I think that's really true. There are people who, maybe you used to call them loners, but like people who are, can just are happy to companion themselves, but still that lack of human contact sucks. What do you think is going to be difficult across the board. Like there's going to be something that can we stipulate. There are things that are going to be more difficult for some places than others. Like I say, I continue, I made a joke about this on Twitter last night. I continue to, to believe that the opening, the reopening plans focus very heavily on where people end up, how, how you get people safely, how people safely are at a location. Mm-hmm. I feel like what's covered less well is how they get to that location. And the example I keep thinking of is a sports game where even if there's huge amounts of social distancing, how do you get to your seat without like crossing in front of somebody? Yeah, you can. Do you, just, do you load in like the new way they're boarding planes? Finally. Well, what if you have to take a leak? Like, what do you do? You climb over the seats again, the Baron, Baron Harkonnen chair. Like, how do you? <laughs> I get, saw that. Your how do you tweet get to that. and from places? <laughs> yeah. And that includes public transit. Like, it's, it's just all so weird that we're going to like have this like you know one sixth capacity for everything and i'm not letting you answer the question that i asked if you choose to answer it what do you think will be difficult across the board as companies and teams come out of uh whatever we've been in the last couple months yeah i mean i really think the hardest thing is going to be both the fact of how people will begin to reacclimate themselves to being out to being in public, to being in a public space and not feeling afraid or not feeling worried or not feeling concerned. I think for a lot of people, that's a very real thing. Um, being able to readjust to, you know, there are a lot of people I'm sure who are like, I just want to get back to the thing. But that probably is because you have it easy or easier in your work environment than a lot of people. I mean, I've, so true. I've worked in so many places where the working conditions, yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's not like working at Burger King doing the fries like I used to do. You know what I'm saying? It's not bad like that, but like that's a hot job. You might be sitting next to a door that opens and closes. You might hear the printer going off all the time. There might be a person in the cube or the office next to you who's really loud. People might come by your office. You might be getting constantly. harassed and bullied. This might be the Exa- first time exactly. in months that you can do your work without somebody looking down your dress. Exactly. Your yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably uh, bounce. I, I think, um, I don't know. I think it's, we're back to Donald Rumsfeld and the unknown unknowns. 
I think there, the, some of the known unknowns are sort of what you got at. This might even be a secondary, tertiary thing, but like, will some people be bucking a little harder about the idea of having to be in the office as the most tentpole requirement of a job? I mean, you have to be qualified for the job, right? You have to be able to get to the office. But really, there's so many, there are a lot of jobs, even at pretty high levels, where like the most basic thing is that you be at the office. Right. And I wonder, again, secondary tertiary, like what are people's uh, feelings about that changing? Inside of various companies, is it going to be more okay to work at home? But I think probably way more important than that is the... um, Dan, something I struggle with, Mm -hmm. with people uh, that I love, um, uh, just in life, uh, is that because I am a compulsive... Uh, I have uh, anxiety issues. I have what the guy from Penny Arcade has called chain worrying. And I used to be a project manager. So I have a fairly uncanny ability to walk through the steps of a project very quickly in my mind. And I don't always know the recipe for success, but I'm pretty good at discovering the potential sources of failure. So like when your kids, like our kid likes to go out and, you know, go out to the yard and like, um, I always, I still, she, you know, she's a kid, but I still have to say, do you have a key? No. Okay. Well, how are you going to get back in if, you know, if, if, uh, if you need to get back in, uh, I don't know. Well, okay. Well, what's, you know, do you have these kinds of things in your bag and, you know, going out into the world back in the before times, always have the key, always have the money, always have muni, all that kind of stuff. Right. And that uncanny, uh, I'm going to stop calling myself uncanny now. Um, to be cursed with that, I, there's no way I could think about even a, a car trip, a two-hour car trip, without walking through a lot of steps. That's, those steps include, like, how do we get to where we can leave the house? How do we get from here to the car? Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. We're going where we're going. What's going to happen when we get there? Is there a blanket in the car in case we're going through a place that's really cold and the car might break down? Right. Nobody thinks like this, except me, maybe? I don't know. It's an affliction. But that's what's causing me so much mental fog right now uh, on a big picture level about the unknowns. And it is, it's stuff like, so like I say, that's nicely summarized by the idea of you'll be safe once you get to your seat, probably, but how do you safely get to your seat? That's Mm -hmm. my mindset right now. And it goes through the entire stack of all of these things. If you thought we understood how interconnected the world was when things shut down, Get ready for the dead cat bounce of coming back with, I can't believe what it's going to take to get that interconnected world up and running again. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of false starts. There's going to be a lot of like, just, I mean, stuff like, you know, uh, the delivery stuff is getting a little less crazy than it was for a few weeks. But like, let's say you need to like, there's probably going to be new hires or old rehires. There's all that paperwork stuff. Do, Do we have printer ink? No, we're out of printer ink. And it's going to be a week before we can get that. Suddenly, there's just all of these little dominoes that uh, won't fall <laughs> in the way that we expect them to. I think it's going to be very bumpy on every level. And I think we should all try to be cool with each other is what I think. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's going to be so weird. Would you it go to a sports game? Weird. Would you go to a sports game? Now, no. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's like... In a, in a state of if fear? The Eagles, if the Eagles came to town uh, next week yeah. to play against the Austin Grackles, <laughs> would you go to that game? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah. There's so, much, there's so much 
stuff going on, like even here in California, like there's so much stuff reopening. I'm like, oh man, that's, that's going to be complicated. Like we got a thing in the mail for this little place we like to stay up in Marin sometimes for like a, like a little weekend. And they're taking reservations now for June, early June. And it's like, I hope it's okay to do that. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know. How are the how are the grackles doing? How did they do last season? Oh, the gra <laughs> the grackles they did great, yeah. man. Yeah, performing a real high wire act. Yeah, yep, yeah. <laughs> what what? Well, I'm sorry, I forgot the bit. Are they are they a football team? What did I stipulate? The grackles. Yeah, if they're playing against the Eagles, that they must, when teams play, they have to be playing the same sport. Is that you, right? Well, no, not necessarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seen, well, I feel like the grackles you know, have the pitching; they just don't have the coaching. <laughs> Is that right? There's no time. He can fly. Okay. Grackles are special. They're special. Grackles are special. Yep. I found them very upsetting uh, the two times I've been to Austin. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Dan, um, let's button this up. All right. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.